Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. You know, we have faith because not because of the words of Jesus and not even because of the teaching of Jesus. We have faith because of this event, the resurrection of Jesus that changed everything, right? And here's the amazing thought. The disciples, they followed Jesus. And when Jesus died, when they crucified him, they all split up and they all went in different directions because they thought this movement, this thing that was started is done. Because so many times in the past, different people started different ideas and different thoughts and different philosophies. And then they either got killed or executed and all their followers split up. And so that's what they thought happened here because Jesus was crucified and they thought, well, I guess this is the end of the story. And so they all went off in different directions, you know. Peter, who was close to Jesus, he didn't know what was happening, and he went off, he denied Jesus, he turned away, and you know, but then something marvelous happened. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and that's what changed everything, because before that, they might have heard what Jesus said, they might have even listened to what he taught about, but it was the resurrection that made them true believers. And they were eyewitnesses to one of the most important things in the history of the world. And so that's why I stand here today. And that's why you are sitting perhaps someone else who's a Christ follower. Because they have also believed in this amazing instance that Jesus rose from the dead. And it's not because it's a story. It's because we have eyewitnesses that saw this marvelous event. And I said, that's why I stand here, because I believe Jesus rose. Amen? Amen. So, he conquered death. And because he conquered death, in him, we can conquer death too. Because we are believers of Jesus. The reality is that not many people understand this. You know, sometimes people struggle with this concept. Because here's what the world we live in. The world we live in is kind of like a multiplicity and a plurality of faith. Because you think, well, it doesn't matter what you believe and what I believe. As long as, you know, we all believe and ultimately all paths lead to God. That's, what, that's the kind of world we live in. You know, and everyone says, it's okay. You can believe what you want and I believe what I want. And it's okay. You know, everyone's right. But the reality is that when you look at Jesus, when you look at who he is, and today I want to present you with Jesus, not a fairy tale version of Jesus, not a feel-good version of Jesus, or a story that you might have heard when you were a kid, I want you to consider Jesus, the real Jesus. The one who walked around, who was living, who was breathing, who did marvelous things. And so today I want you to see who Jesus is. And I want you to consider what he says. Because if his words are real, and if he is real, then we have a real question that all of us have to wrestle with. The reality, of course, is that no one really debates his life existence. There's many scholars that lived at that time, apart from the followers of Jesus, that acknowledge that he was a real person. He existed. He walked around. He did marvelous things. 
And there's massive evidence in all of history that point to this was a real person. And most people don't even dislike Jesus. In his time, he was loved, he was appreciated, a lot of people followed him. And for most people in the world, even if they don't believe in Jesus, they actually like what Jesus talked about. Because how can you not like what he talked about? He was insightful, he was helpful. Some of the things he might have said were a little bit hard to do, but they were not wrong. In fact, his teaching says, love someone. Is that a bad thing? You know, love everyone else. Help someone else when they're down. Bless someone else. Serve someone else. Forgive them when they do wrong to you. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But why do people get offended by Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Why do people get offended by Jesus? I believe it's because of the exclusive claim of Jesus. Jesus made some statements. And if we are to wrestle with the veracity of what he says, it leaves us with questioning who he says. And if he says something, and if he's true, and if he's genuine, then we have to deal with the consequences of what he says. Now, here's one of the offensive or exclusive things that Jesus said. John, one of his disciples, documents this. And he says, Jesus answered in verse, John 14, verse 6. Listen to this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very exclusive statement, isn't it? He's not saying there's multiple roads to God. He's not saying you can do that and you can think this and you can follow that. He's saying, no, 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 no. There isn't multiple paths. There's only one path. He says, I am the way, right? He's not saying I am a way. He's saying I am the way. He's not saying there's multiple truths. He's saying, I am the truth. And he's not saying there's multiple ways you can live life. He's saying there's only one way, and he is the life. And then he makes a further exclusive statement. He says, no one comes to God except they go through me. Now that people get offended with, because how can you claim that you are the only way? How can you claim that there's no other way? Everything else is not right, but you are right. People get offended by that. How can you claim that? But here's what we have to understand. In the inclusive world that we live in, we don't want to offend everyone. You know, the world is moving in a direction where you can't say something that offends someone else. You can talk about something that offends someone else because we're all right. We all have the right way of thinking. There's no one wrong. Everyone's right. But Jesus challenges that thinking. And that's when people get offended. They don't get offended by the little baby Jesus at Christmas. Oh, it's a little cute baby. How cute. But when he starts talking, when he starts saying things like, I am the exclusive way, people say, how dare you? How can you claim that you are the only way? Are you diminishing other people's faith? Are you diminishing what they believe? But Jesus made this exclusive claim. But here's the truth. It leaves us with the question, do we believe what he says or is he a madman? You can dismiss it and say, you're crazy, Jesus. And whatever you say, that's totally unrational, irrational. It's not even making sense. Or 
what you say is true. There's only two options all of us face. Either we dismiss him or we believe him. That's it. You and I are left with that choice. We can dismiss the words of Jesus or we can believe the words of Jesus. What do you believe? It's your choice. Maybe you're here and and maybe you didn't even consider yourself to be a religious person. I'm not into religion. You know, I don't know. Whatever. I'm just here. Maybe you don't even have a faith. But today I want you to consider what Jesus says. I don't want you to consider church. I don't want you to consider, you know, joining something. I don't want you to consider even me. Because you know what the reality is that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And if you find out other people, you know, Christians or Christ followers around you, they're not perfect either. Some of you know them. They might be a bit judgmental. And they might act a certain way because we're not perfect. We're trying. So I'm not asking you to consider anything else. I'm just asking you to consider Jesus. Take him for what he says. Consider him. That's what I want you to see. No matter what your background is, I want you to understand that Jesus did not come to start a religion. That's not what he came for. He didn't come to create Christianity. That might shock some of you, but it's true. He did not come to create Christianity. He didn't come to make a bunch of Christians. That was not his mission. So as I said, don't look at Christians and judge Jesus. Because sometimes we're a very poor reflection of who he is. Because sometimes we don't always live up to what Jesus asks us to live. So don't look at me. Don't look at anyone else. And that's why I'm saying to you today, I want you to be be absolutely clear. Don't consider any of us. Just consider Jesus. Him by himself. Let him stand on his own merit. And so today I want to give you three aspects that I want you to think about in the next few minutes that I have. So number one. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Mark, one of the documents who got the story from Peter, you know, Peter, that apostle I was talking about, he wrote this, and this is what he says. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because you know what? If he's a religious person, why is he hanging around with those sinners, those tax collectors, those people that are not even allowed? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, the reality is that Jesus came for the messed up people who I am chief. I was messed up. I'm still messed up in some, some areas of my life. I don't have a perfect life. And all of us acknowledge, especially those who follow Jesus, the reason we follow Jesus is because we don't have a perfect life. We have things in our life. We have areas. We have Some of us have skeletons in our closet that we don't want to open because you might be appalled by what you see. But we don't have it together. No matter what someone says, we don't have it all together. Here's the important fact that I want you to understand. Jesus didn't come for the religious people. He came for the people religion rejected. That's who he came for. Because when they said, hey, 
those people are messed up. They're not able to come to our gathering because we are the good ones and they're the sinners and they're the messed up ones and they're the, the ones that are out there. Why, why are you hanging around with them, Jesus? Aren't you supposed to be a rabbi? Aren't you supposed to be you know, a teacher? But you're hanging around with these irreligious people. But that's who he was. That's who he came to be. The people that religion despised, Jesus loved. And they loved him back. They followed him. And he did amazing things. You know, people came to him and, and they brought people who they caught in sinful acts. They brought this woman who was in the middle of adultery. They brought, him, brought her to Jesus. You know, and said, this woman, we've caught her in the act. If you're a religious person, you should judge her and condemn her. But Jesus didn't. He forgave her and loved her and sent her away. And then he turned to those judgmental people who were religious and said, if you have no problem in your life, if you have no sin in your life, you can cast the first stone. They were convicted and walked away because they all had areas in their life that were not perfect in. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus did amazing things for ordinary people. People who weren't considered to be right or holy. He can did great things. He, he, by the power of God, he opened the blind eyes and he healed deaf ears and he made the lame walk. And he, he lifted up people that were downtrodden. He made the mute speak and he, he healed lepers. He fed thousands of people that came after him with a few loaves of bread. He walked on water, he healed the sick and he raised so many people out of their afflictions, sickness, and disease. See, the reality is that critics did not question whether Jesus was able to perform these acts. They just wanted him to stop. They began to question, with what power are you performing this? Because you see, they were around to see what he did. So how can you deny your own eyes? They couldn't deny their eyes. They just wanted him to stop. Some of us sitting around you, some of us sitting on these chairs today have also been touched with the ministry of Jesus. Because some of us were alcoholics. Some of us were addicted to all kinds of things. Some of us went through problems in our life. But through Jesus we have been redeemed. Just like those people. So consider the ministry of Jesus. We have been transformed. I have been transformed. I wasn't perfect. I've been transformed by the ministry of Jesus. So consider the ministry of Jesus. Number two, I want you to consider. Consider the resurrection of Jesus. I mentioned this right at the start. What does this actually mean? What does the resurrection actually mean? Well, what kind of God would die for his followers? You know, usually kings, when they go into battle, they don't go at the front. They send their soldiers and foot soldiers. They stay at the back and expect them to die for them. But this God goes before his people. People that didn't even believe in him. People that cursed him. People that spat on him. People that beat him to death. He went for them. They didn't even believe in him. But yet, he loves us. And he hates our condition. And because of his despise of our condition, he came close to redeem us, to give us strength. This is the God that we love. This is the God that we serve. The picture of love is not a little heart. The picture of love is a cross where a man died for you and for me that was innocent, 
that had nothing on him, but he paid the price so you can go free. That is a picture of love. That a God would come near and tell us that we are loved, that we are valuable, that we are appreciated. That's love. That he would go before us. The disciples, as I mentioned, Peter, who was close with Jesus when Jesus was arrested, as you heard in our production this morning, he cursed God and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm not associated with Jesus. None of them hung around Jesus for very long after he was arrested. They thought this thing was dead. But then when they saw what Jesus did, that he rose again, it's what transformed their thinking. And this is what Peter writes to other people later, because he's a witness. He is an eyewitness. See, Christianity did not begin because of faith. It began because of evidence. People said, this is the evidence I see with my own eyes. So it's not just believe in something. No, it's because I saw and I'm telling you what I saw. Therefore, I believe. And because I saw, you can believe too. Because I'm an eyewitness of this thing. So Peter writes this. He says, you killed the author of life in Acts 3.15. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. We saw Jesus on that cross. We saw him die. We put him in that grave. We sealed the stone. But then he came up alive. We saw him alive. That's why we believe. Because we saw. You know, detractors goes, well, you know what? Maybe the Roman soldiers actually stole his body. Maybe. But why would they steal a body that helps doesn't help their cause. It's easy to present and say, no, he's not risen. He has his body. We have it right here. But they didn't. The enemies could have presented a dead body if he was there, but they didn't. Some people say, well, the disciples came in by night and, and stole the body away just to fool everyone. Really? Some unarmed guys who had no training were up against one of the greatest forces, the Roman soldiers in that time. They somehow overcame a Roman army and sneaked in when these soldiers were standing right there and on pain of death, if they let them in, they would die? They just let them in? No. Do you really expect any rational thinking human being to believe that 11 small town uneducated average men devised the most elaborate and deceptive scheme in history and pulled it off against a world superpower that conquered the world. Is that rational? <laughs> Do you think that these 11 guys did that and then go ahead and say, you know, we're going to die for this lie? Would you die for a lie? At great personal cost, when they saw the resurrection, they went out and told the story. And most of them, 10 of them in fact, were executed for it. They died. There was one guy who doubted. His name was Thomas. You know, he's like, well, I didn't see, but I want to see. I want to see Jesus. I want to touch him. I want to put my finger in his side and feel that, and then I'll believe. And that's what he did. He saw Jesus. You know what happened to Thomas? He went to India. And he spoke about Jesus in India. And that's where the church in India began to grow. 
But you know what happened to Thomas after that? They impaled him. He died a horrible death because of what he witnessed and what he believed. Would you really be willing to die for a lie? Unless they believe something. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the resurrection. Millions of people around the world believed and followed based on eyewitness accounts of what happened with Jesus. Not because of faith in some story. Not because of faith in some sort of made up man. But a real Jesus who lived, who breathed and died. They saw and they heard it from real men and women. Not because it was written in some book. But because credible witnesses testified to the resurrection of Jesus. Consider his resurrection because it changes everything. And the third aspect is consider the eternal message of Jesus. Paul was this guy, a religious guy. He was a Pharisee. And he hated the Christ followers. You know, the early church, he hated them. He hunted them down. He arrested them. He killed them. He separated families. He absolutely despised them because he thought they were doing something absolutely wrong and an affront to God. But he had this marvelous encounter with the risen Jesus. And his life was transformed. And he writes this. He says, well, how are we to be right with God? Is Jesus exclusive? Is he the only way? What about other faiths and other religions? But this is what he believed. He came from Judaism. And this is what he writes in his letter to some church in the Roman area. He writes this. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. No matter where you are, no matter what your past is, no matter what you thought about yourself or your background, no matter where you came from, you get in by placing your faith solely in Jesus Christ. Because you see, if Jesus rose from the dead, and if you put your faith in him, then you will have life eternal too. There's no other way. Jesus said it. See, many people believe, well, it's just by doing good. You know, if I'm a good person, and I do good things, and I help people in need, and I'm, I'm just generous with my time, I'm just generous with my energy, I'm just generous with those people around me, I'm just going to be nice, I'm going to be good. I'll get good things. I'll be good. The reality is that that's not how it works. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good things you, you can live your whole life doing great things, but it doesn't make you a good person because we try to define our acts and then enforce it into our character. Our character is not defined by our acts because we can be doing external good but having really bad thoughts inside. You ever done that? You're doing something nice for someone, you go, I despise you. I'm just putting on a fake smile. So you can do great things, but your heart might not be in the same place as your actions are. So it doesn't matter what good you do. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself right. Not being good enough, not being kind enough, not being generous enough, even not being compassionate enough. There's nothing there. There's nothing you can do except what Paul says by placing your faith in Jesus. 
I remind you again, Jesus did not come to create a religion. He came to offer a relationship. You see, religion says, it's all about me. If I do this, then I'm going to be somehow better. If I meditate enough, if I do this enough, if I give enough, if I sacrifice enough, then I will be better. But Jesus says, it's not about what you do, it's what I already did for you. Religion says, if I obey God, if I obey a deity, if I follow all the rules, then somehow that deity will love me. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, I love you regardless of what you do. And I, therefore, I obey because you love me first. Not because I have to, but because I choose to. Religion says, it's all about what you do. You have to do this. But Jesus says, it's all what God did. Religion says, it's about your performance. Well, Jesus says, it's about what I've done. You don't have to do anything. If God is truly God, why do you need to do anything? Right? If he's God, he can make a way. Why do you need to somehow do something to please a deity? If he's so great, he can do it himself. Jesus says, I am. That's why I did it. Because that's who he is. So consider the message of Jesus. He offers us an ongoing and eternal relationship. He makes us right because of what he did, not what you have to do. We can be loved no matter where we came from, no matter our past. We can be accepted. We can be forgiven. We can be welcomed home all because of what Jesus did, not what you have to do. So here's this question again. The question that I posed to you right at the start. If someone claims he is the way, and he predicts his death, and then he predicts his resurrection, and then he dies and he rose again, is what he claimed to be true or false? You get to decide. And if he claimed that he would die and rise again, and his words that he says, if that is true, then what if his other words are true too? Right? If he said, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, and that's exactly what happened, then can you dismiss everything he says? Is his words true, or is he a madman? That is the only thing you have left. He is either true, or he's not. And all of us get to decide for yourself, is he true? I can tell you what I believe. I believe that... His words are true. I believe he says what he says. I believe what he said is true and he proved it and he rose from the dead. And therefore, I'll stick with him because he proved it. No one else in the history of the world has done that. You can search out anywhere. You can read volumes of religious studies anywhere you want and I challenge you to do it. But nowhere else would you find that. And that's what makes Jesus unique. Consider Jesus. And so what I leave all of you with is this question. I want you to think about this as we bring this to a close. Question one I want you to think about. If what Jesus claimed about God, life, and his way true, what does that mean for you? If what he claimed 
that he is the way, the truth, and the life, if what he claimed that he would die and rise again, and that was true, what does that mean for you? Can you afford to reject it, or will you accept it? And here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He doesn't force you to do either. It's always been your choice. It will always be your choice. He doesn't force anyone into religion. He just offers relationship. A relationship that goes from better to great all the time. If you're not sure, does that mean that if I follow Jesus, I won't have any problems? No, in fact, I have more problems. (laughs) But here's the thing. I have someone that loves me and takes me through. That's what makes Jesus unique. He doesn't absolve us of issues. He doesn't say, okay, well now that you follow me, you're going to walk on clouds, you're going to have angel wings, and you're going to float around like everything's okay. No. I realize that even though I go through problems in my daily life, I have someone that loves me, that has forgiven me, and I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm loved and forgiven. That's what he does. So, If what Jesus claimed about God, life, and his way true, what does it mean for you? And I have another one I just want to throw in. (laughs) A second question for you. What will you do with Jesus' offer of relationship? What will you do with Jesus' offer of relationship? Like any good relationship, he doesn't force his way in. Like anything that lasts and is good... He helps in time of trouble. It's up to you. He extends his hand. It's up to you whether you choose to put your hand in his hand or not. You can say, well, I don't want to. That's perfectly right. That's within your power to do. But Jesus offers us ongoing, eternal relationship. And we have that. And if you talk to someone that believes in who Jesus is. And so today I don't offer you religion. Today I don't offer you to join a church. I don't offer you to do any of these things. I just ask you to consider Jesus. Because he is the ultimate life, the way, and the truth. Let's stand. Is it okay if I pray for you guys? All right, that's good. (laughs) You know, prayer is amazing because, again, it's not... Me just spouting off words. Prayer is conversation with our Father. And you can get to the point where you can talk to Him and you can hear what He says back in your life. Because remember, it's a relationship. And relationships mean conversation. It's not a one-way street. And so no matter where you are in life, no matter what happens, Christ followers, you know, celebrate Easter That's why we don't even call it Easter much anymore. We call it Resurrection Sunday because it's about Jesus being raised. It's about life and liberty and because of his life, we have life. So consider his ministry. Consider the resurrection and consider his offer, his eternal offer on who he is. Not based on what people do because sometimes we are a very poor reflection of who Jesus is. You know, Mahatma Gandhi said this once. He said, if the Christians were more like Christ, I would become a Christian. (laughs) Which is a sad reflection on us, right? (laughs) It is. 
Because sometimes we don't live up to the teachings and the ways of Jesus. So don't look at me because I am flawed. I'm messed up. And if you look at other Christians and judge him by that, because they're not. They're really not. We are still struggling with aspects in our life. Because, and that's why we need him. Because I'm not good and I'm not perfect and I'm flawed. And I didn't come to religion. I came to Jesus. People didn't go to religion. They went to Jesus. Because he loved and accepted them and embraced them regardless of what happened in their life. It's all about Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.